Hello and welcome to the CISS podcast. This is the On the Spot series by China Forum. In this series, we return to the platform of international forums and webinars, where leading minds in academia, government, business, technology, and media deliver novel, collaborative responses to the global issues of the day. Hello and welcome to the CISS podcast on the Sport series. I'm Xiao Qian. China has been working on collective security in the Indian Ocean to safeguard international sea lanes and to provide a secure environment for the international community who are working in the rimland of the ocean. What are the real security threats of the Indian Ocean? What is the intention behind the rhetoric "free and open Indo-Pacific"? Mr. Zhou Bo, CISS senior fellow, shared his opinions during the Pathfinder Indian Ocean Security Conference, which focused on security architecture and the maritime domain awareness of the Indian Ocean. The conference was hosted by the Pathfinder Foundation in Sri Lanka on March the fourth, two thousand twenty-two. Please stay tuned. Good afternoon from Beijing. First of all, I wish to thank organizers of Pathfinder Foundation of Sri Lanka for inviting me to attend the conference on Indian Ocean security and talk about maritime domain awareness. The importance of Indian Ocean for China doesn't need lengthy elaboration, since 90% of international trade is maritime trade. Therefore, one can easily understand the importance of secured and protected sea lanes in the Indian Ocean for China. Because China is the largest trading nation in the world, it is also the largest exporter and the second largest importer in the world. Besides, the Indian Ocean is also a very important part of China's maritime Silk Road. There are about one million Chinese people working in the rimland of the Indian Ocean. This tells why we have joined the International Navy in counterparacy since the end of 2008. We have sent about forty flotillas nonstop to the Indian Ocean, and have escorted over seven thousand ships from China and foreign countries. Talking about maritime domain awareness, because of the size of the ocean, I understand how maritime blindness are common problems for small and big nations alike. The most effective organizations in the Indian Ocean are probably Information Fusion Center and Recap in Singapore, where national representatives are sent to make international efforts in monitoring maritime situations. I believe this is a good example of international cooperation. From 2009 to 2014, I was a PLA's coordinator in counterparacy. I know counterparacy in the Indian Ocean took roughly five years over some twenty-five international navies and coalitions, but piracy can hardly be fully eradicated as one of the oldest professions in the world. And the piracy is not necessarily the only maritime crimes. I cannot but recall the Mercury system that was designed by EU Atlanta and shared by the international navies, including the Chinese Navy. This encrypted platform allows all navies dedicated to counterparacy in the Indian Ocean to share information. But I am fully aware how difficult it is still to share correct information. I remember in a meeting in Bahrain, where international naval efforts in counterparacy was coordinated, 
A delegate from the combined maritime forces led by the United States shared a picture of almost countless numbers of fishing vessels, and he asked this question that I still remember today: Which ships are fishing ships, and which ships are pirate ships, and which ships are fishing ships today, and pirate ships tomorrow? Here, I wish to share a story of correct information sharing followed by prompt action. On May the fifth, two thousand eleven, an attack by Somali pirates occurred on a Chinese cargo ship Fu City with twenty-four crew members on board in the Arabian Sea. Thanks to the joint efforts of the Indian Navy, NATO, and the Chinese flotilla, this effort by the pirates was defeated. And such a success story apparently requires great coordination. Among nations in maritime domain awareness first. Here, I also wish to make a comment on what has been said by quite a few panelists that the Indian Ocean should be open and free. I fully understand that this is a concept proposed by the United States in the region, but I believe it is a myth. Why? Because when is the Indo-Pacific not free and open? Oceans are naturally interconnected, and the most outstanding problem since the end of 2008 affecting the security of the region is piracy. But piracy is by and large eradicated because of joint efforts of the international navies, as I mentioned before. Yes, there are still some other security challenges, including maritime terrorism, territorial claims, illegal fishing, and、uh, criminal trafficking. But these are not new challenges, and they are not exclusive to the Indo-Pacific. The most recent development in the region is the Quad, which is composed of the United States, Japan, Australia, and India. Much has been said how it is an anti-China club. The problem is, if Quad is really against China, the glue that binds the group is not strong enough. If it is not. Then there is no need for establishing the quad at all. Let me explain why. India, I believe, is central to the quad because the other three countries are already allies. Although India is not happy with the presence of the PA Navy in the Indian Ocean, which is hardly a secret, there is no evidence whatsoever of conflicting interest between China and India in the Indian Ocean. All the military operations. Of the PLA overseas are humanitarian in nature, be it disaster relief, counterparty, or peacekeeping. If India chooses to take sides with the United States against China, it will invite two consequences it cannot afford. First, it risks India's strategic autonomy among major powers. Second. It risks a decline in India-Russia relationship, which is vital for India, because India imports about seventy percent of arms from Russia. This probably has explained why India has so far avoided to make harsh comments on Russia in the Ukrainian war. What holds Quad members together will not be the much-touted partnership on climate change or COVID pandemic. Because these are global challenges that can only be addressed through collective global response. Therefore, unless the Quad takes common strategic interest in the region as driving forces, 
and proves itself to be inclusive rather than exclusive, the future of this group won't be bright. I believe it can survive, but it won't thrive. Thank you. That was Mr. Zhou Bo, a CISS senior fellow and former director of the Center for Security Cooperation in the Office for International Military Cooperation at the China's Ministry of National Defense. Thank you for listening.